sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Jason Tate. We're going to be talking about Batman Begins today, but before we dive into that, today's episode is sponsored by Gamefly. If you go to gameflyoffer.com forward slash geekdompod, you can get a free trial there, and I will be sure to tell you all more about that about halfway through the episode. I won't forget this time. I know last episode I did, like, (laughs) with two minutes to go in the podcast, so I'll, I'll be better at it today, but... I'll tell you all more about that later. I promise this time. And Jason, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk about some Batman. I feel like I keep coming on this show to talk about the nerdiest topics and I'm kind of <laughs> loving it. <laughs> I think next time we have to get you on to do that part two for our Spidey extravaganza because I know you wanted to talk about at least two or three of the movies and then we have a bunch of upcoming Spider-Man stuff we could probably <laughs> toss in there too. For sure. But yes, today is all about Batman Begins from 2005. I totally forgot how long ago this movie came out. Like, it does not feel like it came out 13 years ago now. That just sounds wrong. (laughs) I know. I was thinking about that, too, because it came out the year I graduated college. So uh, I graduated and I I forgot exactly. It came, what was it, May, uh, June, something like that. Um, So it would have been right around when I was like finishing up school and getting ready to leave uh, college, decide, like, am I coming back home? What am I doing or, or, or whatnot? And it was one of the first movies that I remember seeing uh, that, like, I really anticipated and, like, got back together with some of my high school friends to see. And it was, like, they were still just about getting off, like, finishing school, graduating. A couple of them were, like, doing an extra year. Uh, But, like, everybody came home that summer, and it was, like, the movie that you had to see. So I saw it, like, four times with different high school friends as we all were kind of figuring out, what the hell's the next thing we're doing with life? Like, what is, what's going to, what are we going to do? And uh, then we just go see Batman. (laughs) And I watched it, like, four or five times in the theater that summer. It was amazing. Yeah, well, I will not tell you what grade I was in, because I think it might make you very sad if I tell you that. But, I already feel old. I already sitting here looking at it and going like, oh my God, Batman Begins <laughs> came out in 2005. Like, holy crap, we've had four other Batman movies, but I guess he's been in five other things now since yeah. then. It's like, oh my God. Well, what I will tell you is I was not in high school yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I probably did not get to go see this in theater. But, you know, it's funny. I had it marked down as watched on Letterboxd. And I don't even remember really when I would have watched it because I'm pretty sure in high school we went to the theater some of the basketball team went to the theater and I'm guessing we went for the last movie in the trilogy I feel like based on when the movies came out so it was one of those things where I was like I'm pretty sure I've seen this I have it marked down that I've seen it but I don't (laughs) have any memory of when it was so when I rewatched it this past week or so I was like you know, a lot of this looks familiar, but I think I forgot a lot of it too, because, you know, I've mentioned on here multiple times, I don't rewatch things too often. Usually I'm doing it for the purpose of this podcast now. So it was nice to go back and do that. And now I'm wishing the other two movies were on Netflix, but I don't think they are, which I find very odd. Like, why well, have one of three? <laughs> oh, is this one on Netflix? I didn't yeah. know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I have them downloaded in the Plex, so I can watch them whenever I, I want. I think that this might be up there with The Dark Knight 
uh, one of my most rewatched movies just because it's uh, something that at this point I can put on in the background and just kind of enjoy and it has like cool scenes Um, so it has that thing where it's like you can kind of watch it a little bit and then just like oh it's gonna be this part you like stop and you're like okay I want to watch like the ninja scene and then you let's like leave and do a couple other things for a while and then just toss something then you walk by again and be like oh yeah it's this part I'm gonna watch this which is always uh, a sign for a good movie so I've seen it quite a few times over the years not only just in theaters because it happened to dominate a summer for me um, but I've rewatched it over, uh, quite a few times just sitting around just for fun because of how much I enjoy it and yeah before when you had mentioned that you wanted to do this podcast we rewatched the entire trilogy last week so it's roughly in my head as a uh, uh, again Yeah, and one of the first things I want to discuss with the movie is the casting, because if you go to the IMDb page, there's literally like one woman listed on the first build section. So before you hit, you know, see full cast or anything like that. So it's definitely a male dominated movie, but it's not something that I feel like people were really up in arms about back in 2005 when this came came out. It's more, I wouldn't say it's more recent, but I feel like because of what this film is, maybe it wasn't as big of a deal then because for me personally rewatching it, I didn't really mind it because I love Batman and Batman's always going to be a rich white dude. So that's just something (laughs) that you sort of live with. And I forget which episode it was, but I was listening to an episode of Fat Man on Batman and even Mark Bernardin was like, yeah, Batman is a rich white dude because he comes from old money. You know, there weren't anyone else besides the old white dudes who had that money. (laughs) So, you know, if you want it to be realistic, Batman's sort of always going to be a white dude. Well, the interesting thing with um, with the Batman movies to me has always been that they've had to try to figure out a way to introduce uh, female characters. Right. Because like if you go back to like the Tim Burton Batman with Vicky Vale, if I, I could be completely wrong, but from my recollection, Vicky Vale was made to be in the movie before she was introduced into the comic books and then okay. she was introduced into the comic books later. I could be completely wrong there and somebody could correct me. Um, but that reminds me of basically the same thing that happened in this movie where I as far as I know, Rachel Dawes, Dawson, Rachel Dawes, Dawes. Um, who's played by um, in this movie Katie Holm and Maggie Gyllenhaal in the rest of the movies uh is a new character as well like somebody that they had to create to introduce into the into the movie and i what i like about batman begins and this version of introducing that kind of character is that they at least it's not like just a love interest there is some romantic like tension that is kind of there between them and you see that more in the dark knight it's a pretty big catalyst to why what everything that happens in that movie um but it is not like a sexual tension uh, as much as that they are old old friends and like this is somebody that has been with Bruce basically his entire life and knows the quote like real Bruce Wayne and has been there through throughout his life it's actually a a better fleshed out character uh than some of the stuff you get in you get in the past or some of the comic books do where they just create a new character and it's just a love interest or they're just there to play off of uh of that sort of thing um and yeah like besides that it's like it's hard to figure out like where the other characters would get introduced. I mean, you could do something like, and just completely play around with the mythos and uh, like have Jim Gordon, like gender swap, like that, that would be an interesting way to tell the story. Um, 
But like besides Martha Wayne, most of the time it's like you get Catwoman, you'll get Poison Ivy. But if you're not introducing new villains, uh, I, I'm I'm curious where they could uh, what what they could have done differently or what they should do maybe in the future. Yeah, I think one of the sort of alternate storylines I've seen before is having Barbara Gordon as the police chief or police commissioner mm, yeah. or something like that. And, you know, with comics, I feel like everything's been done over and over again so many times that they've gone in so many different directions because of all these reboots that they do and everything. It's like the movies don't have to follow a very specific timeline necessarily, you know, because... Mm. Batman's been around since what like the 30s or something ridiculous <laughs> like there there's a lot of source material that you can pull from and I think you know some people want the movies to be exactly like the comics but I am fine with them having you know a little more leeway to be more creative with the movies too because some things you can do on the page of a comic book, but there's no way you can make that look realistic in a movie or something like that. And I know CGI is getting better and everything like that. So things are improving for movies in general, I would say on that front. But, you know, even though Katie Holmes really is the only woman we actively see in this movie, they put together a fantastic cast. Like, Morgan Freeman, Lucius Fox, is probably my fra- favorite Lucius Fox out of all of the movies. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was, that was something that I, I remember thinking about when the movie first came out. First of all, like to go back a little bit to one of the points that you just made, uh, is that they do take a lot of like creative liberties with this uh, movie as well, uh, especially with it being the first new Batman movie in a long time. Yeah. Like uh, We had had Batman... Uh, the Tim Burton version and Batman Returns and then the train wrecks that came after that. <laughs> and then they basically put like a hold on the Batman movies for a while because uh, they were really bad. And so this was like a retelling of the origin story of Batman. And in doing that, like they made some changes from things that people had seen in the previous movies. And I remember at first some people being a little bit like upset about that. But now this is kind of accepted as like the canonical version of like the movie Batman and like the comic books and stuff have even borrowed stuff from there. Uh, that said, like I do remember when I, I saw the first trailer for the movie and when it started, I was like, oh, Christopher Nolan, he made that uh, Memento movie I really like. This looks pretty cool. I was like, oh, it's like a ninja movie. Oh, Christian <laughs> Bale. I really like Christian Bale. And then you get the reveal that it's Batman. And it was like, oh, shit, Christopher Nolan's doing a Batman movie. This is going to be amazing. Um, so I was like immediately uh, excited about that. And then you look at the the cast and like they had a really good formula for making a movie here. You know, you get Christian, Michael Caine, Liam Nielsen, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Cillian Murphy, I mean, even like all the way down to like Tom Wilkinson and Ken Watanabe having roles. And it's like, oh, like you just put a lot of really good actors together with a good director and then you can make a pretty good movie. And uh, what I've always appreciated about the uh, Chris Nolan versions of uh, his his stories in his comic book movies are that he focused on making a really good movie first and then it's kind of like secondarily about a superhero but the movie itself uh holds together even without it being like batman like you could do this movie and it's just random ninja person and it's still a good movie um it just happens to also be about batman i think that's a really cool way of coming coming at this versus just making like a over-the-top fun superhero movie which are also good and can be enjoyable but sometimes those don't hold up as well as like a quote like movie movie 
Yeah, plus you have pre-Taken Liam Neeson in this, so he's not solely known for, like, the Taken trilogy of movies at this point in time, and, you know, I know he's in a new movie with Vera Farmiga, I think The Commuter or something like that. It's on a train instead, So, but it's very similar, so... Yeah, he's also... Be- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say he's also been kind of a dick in the media right now. <laughs> he's, he's said some not-so-great things recently. <laughs> Oh, I have not seen that. But I feel like, you know, when you have an actor like that who is now known for something else completely and you have him in this big role in this movie, it's like you're sort of getting people who some people might be familiar with. And then you have, you know, like the mega stars like Morgan Freeman, who doesn't have as big mm-hmm. of a role. So it's like they put all of these people together in a way that made sense for the movie they weren't like oh let's make morgan freeman alfred because he's more well known (laughs) or something like that you know so they definitely put these people these actors in roles that were suitable for them whether the role was big or small in comparison to how famous the actor was yeah i think that's a good point Well, another thing that really stood out to me when the film first started, too, is the cinematography on this, because you have Christian Bale and he's, you know, he starts the movie out as Bruce and he hasn't fully become Batman yet. And we're getting, you know, him in this prison and all sorts of scenes that you probably wouldn't necessarily expect a Batman movie to start with. You know, you're pretty much expecting Gotham when you hear Batman and to not get that right away I think sort of builds the anticipation of okay what are we going to see when we see Gotham for the first time because you have all of this stuff happening ahead of time and there are just some amazing shots in this film even before we get to Gotham some of the stuff that they do in I think they shot in Iceland is just incredible like I love the the, uh, just the big swooping now pretty standard Christopher Nolan movie shots. He does that in like a lot of his films where he'll do those just big landscape sweeps. Um, there's some really cool stuff done there. But yeah, I, I totally agree that I like the build of the movie. Like it, he, again, more Christopher Nolan doing Christopher Nolan stuff, like starts uh, in one spot, then he flashes forward in time, and then he continually goes back and forth with uh, playing with the timeline a little bit for you to figure out like what's happening uh, in the story, which is just a clever way to tell a... Um, origin story of Batman and I've always enjoyed that they like origin stories can suck and if you've seen them too many times you're like oh god if I have to see this one more time and I'm kind of at that point now with Batman I'm like I don't need to see Batman's origin story ever again so like if they do another standalone movie please don't reboot it like just just, (laughs) you know we we know we know what happens we've got it we're we're all good on this one Um, but this version of the origin story I think is really interesting because it allows you to get a little bit more insight into like middle age, not middle age, like younger Bruce, like right out of college and figuring out like who he wants to be uh, before becoming Batman himself, uh, which is, you know, a lot of times that's uh, done in the comic books, like Batman year one does that pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, but of like seeing what, what that's going to look like as he first decides to become Batman. And I, I really like that time period for Batman because I think there's a lot of interesting things there. He's not grizzled and beaten down. He's not like, the old angry cankerous old bastard that he becomes. <laughs> um, and I, I think, th- I think it's a, a fun era of the character to play with. 
Yeah. Plus, like you said, adding in Rachel helps a lot with some of the more personal side of Bruce's story because we see a young version of her playing with Bruce at the mansion and everything. And, you know, that they have the little finders keepers thing going on that she still remembers all these years later. And I think even in those flashbacks too, just how they followed the kids around was a great use of the cinematography there too, because you're expecting, you know, the typical origin story for Batman. And instead you get sort of an altered version because Rachel is present and everything like that. And the flashbacks really do help with that because you're not just starting the movie with his origin story. You're starting somewhere in the middle and we see him learning from Descartes and just those scenes alone too, when he's learning how to fight and they're on the ice and everything like that. And then later in the movie, when they're in the narrows and how dark that gets and how gritty everything looks in every single frame when he's trying to, you know, stop this huge thing from happening, which we'll get into a little later when we talk more about, you know, the villains and the general plot. But so many of the shots in this are just so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the work of somebody like Christopher Nolan and the cinematographer, I believe is, I can never pronounce his last name, Wally Feister, something like that. P F I S T E R. I'm not okay. even <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretend like I can pronounce his last name. Um, he's always put together like the way that he frames things in movies and the way that everything looks. Uh, I've always really appreciated, and that's another thing that this movie, uh, this trilogy itself, does really well. Is like this movie itself has a like uh, like an orangish brown tint basically over the entire thing where it's like it feels a the world feels very lived in very gritty very real uh very chicago i think is where they shot most of this um but having that like orangish brown tint to everything whereas uh the dark knight has like more of a blue green to it uh which is like opens up like the world and how the entire thing feels which i've always found uh clever yeah so why don't we go ahead and dive into the villains of this movie? Because for once, they're not using the Joker until, you know, the very <laughs> end to sort of tease the next movie. And I think that's an extremely smart move to not start with someone as crazy as the Joker. You know, there are plenty of other villains. And I feel like with the Batman movies, they sort of just keep using the Joker over and over and over again. And we've seen what? three different three or four different jokers yeah i think that, that that's one thing that, that works really well for this movie uh is first of all like batman has arguably one of the best like groups of villains to pull from um he has like a variety of really cool villains that you can use where not every uh superhero has that uh luxury so like you have a few different things to play with and you the way that you know nolan and uh, i forgot who wrote this movie um Goyer? I'm guessing David Goyer, uh, that they use the characters like the, the quote villains in interesting ways. Like it's, so it's not just Scarecrow and you're not just worried about Scarecrow and what's going on there. And it's not just Ra's al Ghul, but like together they all work as a, you know, as a unit to basically push the story along. And that's before even getting to what you can use, like the, the crime bosses yeah. that are involved in how they're doing different things and how that all plays in, uh, plays in together so first of all big fan of Cillian Murphy so like 
really glad this is one of like the movies where I was like, I'm glad to see him get to do, you know, some of his crazy Cillian Murphy stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. he plays the character he plays the character uh really well, not just as the scarecrow, which I think has a cool character design and costume design that they use, but also him playing uh Jonathan Crane, the doctor, he gets to show a little bit of uh that side of the insanity uh that he has as well so i like I, I liked i liked the villains in this movie and think that it works to create a bigger world for batman uh because you can go raz al ghul and like training in the league of shadows and all of that so it sets that foundation which uh is used throughout the rest of the movies but it also has a villain that like has that weird creepy Batman sort of feel with the scarecrow where it's like another person walking around in a costume. So you get both of those together, which I think works well. And you get the cool stuff like uh, using the uh, the hallucinogen fear toxin that scarecrow has, which means you can do crazy stuff and like show some of the hallucinations, which adds like a different element to the to the movie uh, that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah. Plus he starts off as the doctor. So, you know, he's fairly normal when we first see him as Dr. Crane. And then you see him progress throughout the movie and he's not even really the initial threat to Batman or Gotham at all. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is the pronunciation of some of these characters because they okay. kept <laughs> saying Falcone and I've always just said Carmine Falcone. <laughs> so it sounded I've said, really weird. Yeah, in my weird. head, I definitely say it too. Yeah, I think in my head, I've always pronounced it Falcone, like without the uh, the hard E at the end. Yeah, because I, I'm still watching Gotham. I'm probably one of the few, but <laughs> they always say the Falcones, I'm pretty sure. So just huh. watching that and then going back and watching this, I'm like, okay, I what's what's going on here? This sounds so weird every time they say it. And it's the same with Roz because I think in Gotham they call him Raish al Ghul. And I'm pretty uh, sure okay. that's what, like they were calling him something similar to that in Arrow too. Like these characters, like no one can agree on the pronunciation apparently. <laughs> so I just thought that was something funny that popped into my head. I was like, is this how you, are we sure this is how you say this name? <laughs> Yeah, I do like that uh, they used Roz, Raish, however you, <laughs> however, you, however you want to pronounce it. Um, I, I'm glad that he's in the movie as well. And I like the little the turn at the end of like you think it's supposed to be one person. It ends up it's not actually him and who uh, the the uh, little reveal at the end is well, well done. Yeah, so it's Ducard who ends up being Roz, right? Yeah, and like he basically like at the beginning you have Ken Watanabe playing the character and you think like, Oh, this is like this is who the the character the bad guy is going to be but then no, it's it's not. It, which it, but it also plays into kind of the duality of he explains like towards the end, like what is Razar Ghoul like does it need to be a person or should it be like a thing, like a, a, a living legend that somebody that never dies and can continue on forever, basically, uh, which plays well with like what Batman and Bruce is learning about what Batman needs to be for the city it needs to be bigger, be something more than what it can be. And like he takes the, the lesson of the evil version and tries to make it somewhat good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as promised, before I forget, I want to tell you all a little more about Gamefly before we continue our discussion on the movie. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, GameflyOffer.com forward slash GeekdomPod is the link you can go to and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial there. 
And basically what they offer is thousands of games for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3. They have all sorts of different consoles that you can get games for. And, you know, I saw today that there is a release date that may have been leaked for the upcoming Spider-Man game on PS4. So if you want to check that out later this year, maybe you should sign up for Gamefly. I'm sure they'll have it. And I've seen pictures of the game and it looks fantastic. I don't remember video games ever looking that great when I had, you know, the PlayStation 2 or whatever the last console I had was. But you can check out the service. Like I said, GameflyOffer.com forward slash GeekdomPod. It'll be in the show notes, so don't worry about memorizing that or anything. And you can try it for free for 30 days, so it doesn't hurt to check it out. But now we are going to go back to our Batman Begins discussion. So, Jason, another thing I noticed when I was watching this were the visual effects, because it seemed like a lot of what they were doing was more practical than CGI. Yeah. um, I mean, obviously, there's the things where you can tell that CGI is being used, like the bats and stuff like that. Uh, One thing that I found interesting is that on the, because I'm a dork and I've watched (laughs) special special features and stuff on the DVD, um, that they talk about having to convince Nolan to use special effects in a few different places. Like, and that he, a big part of what he wanted to do with the movie was to make it feel real, to make the city feel lived in, to make the entire thing feel like a more realistic version of Batman. And right. I think that he really went out of, the, out of his way to make, to do that and to not have the whole thing feel like, I don't know, the crazy uh, flamboyant version of like the, the world that we see in Batman uh, and Robin and Batman forever, for example, like he's not doing crazy flips. He's not doing like, he doesn't have ice skates. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, basically it's like, okay, it's like the fighting style is going to be very, uh, close in and brutal, but it's not as much of like a dance. And then you have, uh, stuff like the CG, I, uh, capabilities and you want it to not be noticeable, right? You don't want Batman doing crazy flips through the sky that everyone's like, Oh, it's like just a bad CG version of something. Um, and, one of the things on the special features disc shows the scene where uh, Batman is in. I think he's in. He's in the uh, insane, a scene, insane asylum. I can talk, <laughs> and he falls down through all of the bats, and he falls down to then go grab Rachel and leave. And they showed. Uh, Christopher Nolan, how they could do that with CGI by taking the actual shot he did and then recreating it and being like, look, we can do this with CGI and it's basically not noticeable. And that was how they had to convince him to basically put more CGI shots in in the movie so that they could do things like add the bats flying around and do different things like uh, a couple of the scenes where like he's running and stuff. Uh, And since he's hiding in the dark, they needed to use CGI to, to make that work. And I think that that yeah, they pretty seamlessly blended it. Like, there's only a couple times now looking back at the movie 13 years later, like some of the monorail stuff where I can like tell and be right. like, oh yeah, like that that definitely like the matting and the lighting's not super great there. Like, didn't quite get that to work. Um, and we just have better technology now. But I do feel like the usage is. It's there, but it's used in a really good way versus kind of some of the over the top stuff we see these days. Yeah, I honestly feel like sometimes practical effects are the way to go. And 
we see those used a lot in Star Wars. They will literally get people who are the size of the other species they want to portray in the film and everything. This way, they're in costume and it looks more realistic. And it's probably easier on their budget, too, because CGI is not cheap. And even though the technology is better, there's just something about making it feel more realistic because obviously with Star Wars taking place in space, <laughs> the, the space fights and everything are going to be CGI for the most part because you're not going to have, you know, real X-Wings flying around in space. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where I feel like, especially with the superhero films, like I've noticed a lot more of them use slow motion too. And it drives me crazy. I'm like, we don't need to see cool things happen in slow motion we are smart enough to see them in real time and we can just sort of move on and it's one of those things where when you have a character like the flash for instance slow motion works better there because he's supposed to be moving way too fast for anyone to see anything anyway but <laughs> yeah i'm really glad they didn't have like batman doing a bunch of stuff in slow motion in this movie <laughs> because <laughs> i feel like that would have just driven me crazy i think i mentioned it when i was going through and re-watching the first two captain america movies because they use it a couple times there and i'm like did he really need to move in slow motion to throw a bomb in a tank? <laughs> like, it's just yeah. one of those things where I'm like, not sure what the reasoning behind the slow motion was. But here, I feel like, like you said, for the most part, you didn't really notice when it was one or the other in this like obviously a train crashing into the ground you're going to have a lot of cgi there because you probably didn't actually do that much destruction on set <laughs> yeah i think that there's the part of making sure that if you're going to make a movie that feels realistic that you shoot it in a realistic manner and i think that like that plays well together um and if you use the CGI to basically enhance different things, uh, you know, flesh out the city, uh, make like buildings appear where they didn't appear before, like we're really good at that stuff. But you don't need to do uh, things like create, like as you said, like during a fight sequence, you don't need to have Batman going over the top with what he's capable of doing and making it look like a video game. Um, that said, there are some cool Batman scenes that look like a video game. But <laughs> yeah. uh, what I like what I like about this one, though, is like, and it, it's interesting in a rewatch, given how many Marvel movies that uh, have come out since then and how many of the Marvel movies I've seen. And uh, I've also seen, what, Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, like those movies. Still haven't seen Justice League. I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, but... That I've gotten so used to seeing action scenes like you know the Avengers, right? Where it's like filming around on a on a uh, a camera that's swooping through a city, and you're seeing like the characters jump around and fight, and Thor's jumping six billion miles an hour into the air and smashing things and throwing something, and it's like a huge, almost like ninja like. Uh, fight scene whereas this is brutally close up most of the time yeah. and like so watching the like action scenes in this movie it still has some great action scenes still has some really cool stuff i mean you get some good car chases you get some good fights you get some really cool uh batman in the shadows grabbing people and yelling at them and doing things like that which is which is great um but the fight scenes themselves 
aren't like what we have come to see from like the Marvel movies. Like this is up close. He's a lot of the times he's hitting people with his elbows and his head. It's not a whole lot of like coming back and doing like roundhouse kicks at people or anything like that. Uh, so it like it, it for a moment it like took me out because I'm not I wasn't used to it. But then by the end of the movie I'm like man there is something just more realistic about this. Like this is a guy that's putting on a suit and going out to fight crime and beat up quote unquote like bad people or whatever um and it does feel more realistic because of that versus some of the other incarnations like for example batman versus superman where you it feels much more like superhero-y and that's fine if that's like the kind of movie you're going for but i do appreciate what we got in this trilogy because of how grounded and real it feels and i, I think that the movie is better because of it yeah, I feel like if Marvel, well, hopefully more like when Marvel does a solo Black Widow movie, they use scenes like this more because in a sense, you know, Black Widow is one of the few Avengers who doesn't have powers or a super suit like Iron Man. She's just a person. And, you know, she fights hand-to-hand combat a lot, not necessarily the same way Batman does, but they're both doing the same sort of close quarters fighting and i think you know using the camera in this way like they do with batman begins for a black widow movie would definitely do a much better service to her character instead of when you have these huge fight scenes with like 15 people (laughs) yeah i totally agree with that another thing i wanted to talk about because you just mentioned you know batman versus superman justice league and a bunch of other recent superhero movies the length of this movie it's about two and a half hours long it's one of those that falls on the longer side for sure especially for back in like 2005 I want to say you know a lot of movies weren't really quite pushing the two and a half hour mark but with this one it didn't feel like it was two and a half hours and I think that's the most important thing when you have a movie of that length because even watching Justice League I went after I got movie pass because at that point I was like well why not and I think it comes in at just under two hours or right around two hours and it still kind of felt like a long movie yeah uh Nolan definitely is is known for having longer movies um but there aren't very many that I've ever considered that I felt like were overstuffed and for example this one to me feels like it's a tight what hour and uh, 140 minutes like it feels very concise and there's not really anything that I can think of off the top of my head that I think should have been cut or uh, edited out whereas even with The Dark Knight which is arguably one of my favorite movies of all time like I can come up with some stuff that I think like could have been trimmed from that movie Uh, whereas this like it just it it gets in and gets out and tells that story so well and it has such a well thought out arc that there isn't anything that I feel like it that needs to be that I need would need to be trimmed for it it feels right to me yeah and you certainly don't want to just be like hey just chop out all the flashbacks or chop out you know him being in the prison because those are both really crucial to the story that's being told here because if all of a sudden we see Bruce and Rachel interacting again and it's been they're like hey been a long time and you're like what like why has it been a long time or something like that so I feel like even though those scenes in the prison don't tie directly into him being in Gotham and living life as Batman 
it's the journey there that I think really makes that first section of the movie really important. Yeah, they do a good job of for it being a Batman movie. It's right there in the title. But they do a great job of giving the entire uh, history and story of all sides of Batman, right? It's, it's just as much about Bruce Wayne as it is Batman and really trying to let you see who Bruce Wayne is. And, like, they show you Bruce Wayne as trying to be the, like, you know, playboy billionaire when he's out there buying hotels and stuff like that. But you also see the version of him just with Rachel when it's just him and her and, like, their interactions because she, besides Alfred, are the only two people that really know him and know that side of him. Um, and you can see it's a little bit softer and, like, there's there's a change in his personality. But then you also see him as Batman and the anger and, obviously, like, torture, tortured uh, childhood that he has had and where that comes out as well. So, like, they do a good job of making the movie about, like, his journey as Bruce Wayne uh, and the different versions of him throughout that. And it's not just about, like, well, he's got the costume on, let's go, like, so show some cool stuff. It really does have, like, that humanity to it. And I think that that, like, the interjection of Rachel's character uh, and some of the interactions with Alfred do a good job of bringing that forward. Yeah, plus you can't have a movie titled Batman Begins.